0: Hey, it's Jeff, and I'm happy to announce that Skylar and I will be collaborating on a series of retreats in 2024 at Commune Topanga. The first one is happening April 5th through 7th. So these weekends are really designed to foster greater balance in your life. The well-being, as I've discovered in all of its expressions, springs forth from balance. We seek to balance our relationships, balance our budgets, and of course, balance our blood sugar levels. So if health emerges from balance, well, illness stems from imbalances. And we see evidence of imbalances all around us from imbalanced immune systems and hormones to emotional disequilibrium. So if you break down the root cause of virtually all of our modern imbalances, you will find that they come from our convenience culture, sedentary, indoor, temperature-controlled lives filled with a surfeit of shelf-stable refined calories and a dearth of in-real-life connections. Well, these retreats upend convenience culture. They're all about realigning our biology to foster balance homeostasis. So this will include movement like yoga and hiking sessions, focusing the mind through meditation and breath work, optional ice plunges and saunas, and enjoying delicious farm-sourced meals around big communal tables, I'll also be reading some of my favorite musings as we snuggle around the fire at night. When's the last time you've been read a story? So I hope you can join us at our balance weekend retreat. The first one is happening April 5th through 7th at Commune Topanga, with support from our dear friends at Vivo Barefoot. So just go to onecommune.com/retreat for more info. And I'll see you in the Santa Monica Mountains. Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. Today on the show, I welcome Chris Rinch. Chris is a biotech innovator who developed the proprietary technology in Mitopure a supplement clinically shown to improve mitochondrial health, muscle strength and endurance in human beings. many of us remember from biology class that the mitochondria are the power plants of the cell. But as we'll soon learn, these little jelly bean shaped organelles do a lot more than produce ATP. They are essential to so many processes from apoptosis to gene expression to neurotransmitter production. a MitoPure found its origin in a study where Chris and his team observed a decline of the mitochondrial function in the muscle tissue of individuals experiencing mobility issues. So they asked the question, how can we reverse the decline of mitochondrial function and boost the recycling of damaged mitochondria? As it turns out, There is a compound in pomegranates that do just that. But it is not advisable from a blood sugar perspective and from other perspectives to drink the amount of pomegranate juice that you need to get a sufficient volume of those compounds. And that is how and why MitoPure was born. But before we dive figuratively into the mitochondria and the science behind the compound known as urolithin A, here is a brief reminder about our commune course platform. If you're interested in functional medicine and integrative medicine with fantastic doctors like Mark Hyman and Sarah Gottfried, Kara Fitzgerald, Jolene Brighton, and Roger Schwelt, on topics such as gut health, sleep, immunity, hormone balancing, Ayurveda, and nutrition, well, you can sign up for 14 days of free all-access to Commune's entire course library, including more than a 100 courses on health, personal growth, and social impact. Just go to onecommune.com trial. And please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcatcher. Okay, without further delay, I present to you, Chris Rinch. Okay, Chris Rinch, welcome to the Commune Podcast. Great to be with you, man.
1: Hey, great to be with you, Jeff. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, uh, well, we had the opportunity to meet in person at a party in Kami and Topanga when our pomegranate trees were in full splendor, I uh, remember, in yeah. late October. So it was
1: amazing. It was amazing, yeah.
0: And uh, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, I, I believe we were the last one standing at that party, um, which <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> speaks to our mutual bioenergetics, <laughs> if you will. Exactly. our mitochondria were working Uh, full speed. Yes, they were. Yes, uh, probably with some extra enhancement. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I've been thinking about it. And really, you know, just the state of being alive is contingent on our ability to produce energy. In fact, on some kind of philosophical level, we're just kind of animated information Kind of links in this continuous chain of energy transfer Um, but this ability for us to make energy rests strangely on this five micrometer oval organelle uh known as the mitochondria and it's uh it's so cool that the mitochondria has really become more and more part of the uh the zeitgeist if you will um and, uh, and you, got, you guys are on the tip of the spear in terms of creating more fluency around this strange little purple bacteria that got engulfed by an archaea some 2 billion years ago. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about the history uh, of this organelle, but uh, I'm excited to jump into all the roles of the mitochondria with you, its relationship to aging, uh, and of course, how we can up-rate, upregulate the functionality of our mitochondria. Um, specifically, as it pertains to muscle function, but also as it pertains to to brain health, um, and everything that you guys are doing uh, at Timeline and with Mitopure. So excited to jump in. So maybe at the very, very, very basic top level, um, what are mitochondria?
1: Mitochondria are are the basically the the power plants inside of all of our cells, and so essentially what they're doing. Is producing the energy, the ATP that is needed for all of our cells to function normally, for all of the different biochemical reactions to take place inside of the cell, and so they're essentially this this battery that we need um, to make our cells function and and work properly. Um, without functioning mitochondria and, and with a decline in mitochondria uh number or or functionality basically there's less energy inside of the cells so less of the cells functions can take place and and so that sort of transmits itself not only through a cellular level but on sort of a whole tissue level and on an organ level and so you have a decline in functionality um on at the organ level and also at, at on the whole human body so uh, there it's very important for um, you know, for us to, to function properly. And, and, um, yeah, we need that energy.
0: Yeah. And so just break it down from a, almost a very basic level. Mitochondria exist inside the human cell. Is is that correct? And is there a certain prevalence of mitochondria in certain cells versus other cells and how many
1: mitochondria are, are in a cell? sure well yes mitochondria are located inside of the cytoplasm of the cell and and certain tissues require more energy than others and so there there tends to be more mitochondria and a higher uh, density of mitochondria and so um it, particular skeletal muscle which uses a lot of energy uh, as well as cardiac muscle and and even the brain there, there's, there's there's quite a high density of mitochondria
0: And are we talking two hundred mitochondria per cell, two thousand mitochondria per cell, or am I not even in the right ballpark?
1: (laughs) Well, I I think you're. It it really depends on on the on the tissue, but you're. It's not in the tens of mitochondria; it's more in the hundreds and the thousands of mitochondria, and that and that just depends on the size of the cell too. So, um, yeah, yeah, they're very small, so you can pack a lot in
0: yeah and they tend to cluster right so right. you know yes, we, we yeah. I remember from biology class you know generally you'd see this mitochondria as kind of this jelly bean like uh, image yes. inside the cytoplasm of the cell sure, but in reality uh,
1: they tend to to cluster in uh, in groups is that right yeah they do you do t- tend to find them sort of s- stuck together we've We've looked at um, transmission electron micro uh, microscopic, uh, images, uh, in some tissues, and you can see, uh, lots of mitochondria kind of stick, st- sticking together. And you can also see the, the structure of those, uh, mitochondria, the, um, the cristae inside and, and how that cristae, uh, formation changes, uh, with time and during aging as well.
0: hmm and you know, the mitochondria in some ways are, are where food and oxygen meet on some level yes. so people are somewhat familiar with metabolism and digestion yep. and how macronutrients gets um, absorbed into the bloodstream and then brought to the cell sure you know glucose for example gets ushered to the cell by insulin yes. and yes. then goes through glycolysis and then eventually into the mitochondria for a couple of the last couple of stages of cellular respiration Yes. can maybe get into that. And then, you know, oxygen is also obviously comes through, through the lungs and brought through the body, uh, through hemoglobin in the blood and then transferred out, uh, also into the cells. And it seems like the marriage of glucose and nutrients that we're eating for energy production and the oxygen that we're respirating meet and have a tryst at some level at the mitochondria. It's pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, you have the, you know, you're, you're breathing in your oxygen and it's basically for the mitochondria. And then, you know, you're eating all these foods and the fatty acids are then transformed um, through, through the mitochondria into ATP, through the electron transport chain. Yeah.
0: Hey, it's Jeff. And as an athlete, I've been told my entire life to make sure that I get enough electrolytes, but it's only recently that I have truly understood what electrolytes are and the many essential physiological functions that they fulfill. Okay, so you ready for Electrolytes 101? Here we go. When essential minerals like sodium, potassium, chloride, and magnesium dissolve in a fluid, they form electrolytes positive or negative ions needed to maintain vital bodily functions. For example, sodium ions are used by the brain to send electrical signals, hello, electrolytes, through your neurons in order to communicate with other neurons and the cells throughout your body. So electrolytes are key for brain health. Sodium also retains water and maintains proper hydration levels and fluid balance in your cells through a process called osmosis. Now, Calcium and potassium are needed for muscle contraction. They facilitate muscle fibers to slide together and move over each other as the muscle shortens and contracts. And magnesium is also required in this process so that the muscle fibers can relax after contraction. Now, magnesium is a total other beast. It plays a role in protein synthesis, sleep, and blood sugar balance and hundreds of other functions so it's for all these reasons and more that i add element to my water element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with a thousand milligrams of sodium 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium and guess what no sugar element is sweetened with stevia a plant-based sugar substitute that won't spike glucose levels. A 20-ounce serving of many popular sports drinks that I'm sure you know can contain 36 grams of sugar. It's absurd that those products are marketed as healthy when they contain almost as much sugar as a soda. Many listeners know that I still play competitive tennis. Now, before I started using Element, I was prone to fatigue and cramping during long matches due to the loss of sodium no longer i'm right there moving like a panther at the end of a grueling three set match so right now element is offering commune listeners a free sample pack with any purchase that's eight single serving packets free with any element order this is a great way to try all 8 flavors or share element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com/commune. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D R I N K L M N T drinkelement.com/commune. Element offers no questions around refunds, so Try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You've got nothing to lose. So go to drinkelement.com slash commune. So mitochondria, the... uh... The catchphrase that most people use is you know they're the powerhouse or the power plant of the cell yes but uh but mitochondria are also involved in a lot of other functions as well do you mind touching on 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 some of the other
1: roles that the mitochondria play sure um so mitochondria are also involved in in various signaling pathways inside of the cell and so uh, mitochondria can uh, trigger, uh, the, the cell down a pathway of, of cell death as well. If the mitochondria are, uh, are significantly damaged. And so, uh, that's, it's an important aspect that we, we don't think about of all of the different, uh, roles of the mitochondria in the cell. Although providing the energy and having proper functioning mitochondria, uh, is is essentially clear to is essentially uh key to have all of these uh these processes functioning um normally yeah we would
0: not be moving our lips talking to each other right now if we weren't unlocking uh the chemical energy in food through this incredible process and then, uh, being able to transfer that energy into mechanical or kinetic energy or ex- for sure. Um, so, you know, you brought up something interesting around cell death or, uh, apoptosis or as it specifically pertains to mitochondria When mitochondria get damaged. Uh, there is this process of called mitophagy. Um, so, but perhaps we can explore why mitochondria start to become dysfunctional in the first place. So as I understand it you a know, part of cellular respiration of essentially the creation of ATP, sure. a byproduct of that is the production of some free radicals or reactive oxygen species that can at some point damage, the cell and the mitochondria. Can you pull on that thread a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, during the throughout the electron transport chain, uh, as you're converting your your fatty acids into ATP, essentially you you generate a lot of reactive oxygen species, and and in the process, these reactive oxygen species they will they will act at the level of the cell membrane or the the mitochondrial membrane uh, to damage that and. And as you're causing the damage to the mitochondria, uh, during the process of of making ATP, essentially inside of the cells, you you have a process by which you are taking the mitochondria and you're repairing the mitochondria. And and you alluded to it earlier, this idea of mitophagy, it's mitophagy, sort of the cell uh, eating the damaged mitochondria. And so... Uh, essentially what happens is that the damaged part of the mitochondria is butted off from the healthy part of the mitochondria, uh, or if it's an entire mitochondria, it will be targeted on this pathway in which there will be, um, it will be engulfed by, uh, and then digested into its component parts. And so these component parts can then be uh, essentially recycled inside of the cell. And go into creating uh new mitochondria and growing and growing our existing healthy mitochondria and so it's a it's this very it's, it's a cycle uh that's ongoing and it's and it's not just sort of happening at one time but it's a continuous process uh, and the cells uh need this in order to stel- stay uh bio you know say functional from a bioenergetic uh perspective
0: mm yeah it's fascinating um i mean we we often hear a lot about autophagy um and that can be associated with uh fasting and the triggering of certain cellular pathways and autophagy is a more general term uh technically meaning self-eating but uh really referring to kind of the breakdown of dysfunctional cells into their amino acid component parts and then It's what's amazing is that the body can reuse or recycle those component amino acids for the rebuilding of new proteins, um, which is just uh, always boggles my mind, the kind of foundational intelligence of of the body there. Um, But that's that's also taking place at the mitochondrial level with
1: mitophagy. Is that right? Yes, that's that's right. So mitophagy is... Uh, really, a sort of a, a subset almost of autophagy, as as you were mentioning, autophagy is a, the term to describe the general recycling of, uh, of proteins, of aggregated proteins or damaged organelles inside of the cell, and and it is really quite miraculous that inside of cells you have this process that is uh, basically a cleaning process that enables the cells and all the cells machinery to stay functional. Uh, so that the cells just don't die over after a certain amount of time, um, and and the the particular process that we're talking about, mitophagy, is is really essential for the mitochondria because the mitochondria are getting constantly damaged as they produce ATP, and so if we can, um, and and one of the problems, and we'll get to this, uh, is that as as we get older, this process of mitophagy is not um, it, can 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 decline basically and mm-hmm. and can be disturbed not only due to age but also due to our our general um yeah lifestyle uh choice our activity our diets um and so you know it's all of that is is very important to maintaining the proper bioenergetic function of our cells yeah i i definitely
0: want to excavate all of the uh detrimental behaviors that we engage <laughs> in to, uh, to downgrade our mitochondrial function and just the our, our ability to produce energy in, um, in general. I do want to poke at a couple other um, mitochondrial roles because as we touched on uh, the mitochondria does produce a certain amount of reactive oxygen species um, you know these uh, highly reactive, uh, molecules that can cause damage, but at the same time, at the mitochondrial level, there are, there is the production of certain antioxidants, um, to balance in, in the best of all worlds, the creation of, um, of these reactive oxygen species. So can you talk a little bit about like glutathione and even melatonin at the mitochondrial level? and how they work to mitigate the production of free radicals.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you have, um, as you mentioned, glutathione is, is very important as an antioxidant. It's very, um, it's a very, uh, powerful antioxidant, uh, in the cell. And, uh, and that's one of, uh, one of many antioxidants that are important to keep the, the balance of the free radicals and, and, um, uh, in check uh, so that you have um, your mitochondria, st- let's say, stay healthy um, despite all of the stress of creating the ATP uh, along the way. Um, but it's but they're not enough. They're, and I think that's the, that's the message that you, you know, just by, let's say supplementing and and providing more antioxidants, you can't really, uh, stall the inevitable, which is the the damaging of the mitochondria um, just as a normal process in, in the day-to-day uh, as the cells are functioning. Yeah.
0: So uh, just because the history of the mitochondria is so fascinating and interesting, uh, I, I wonder if you could just spend a couple minutes touching upon how humans and uh i suppose animal life in general came to co-evolve with these energy producing organelles
1: okay um i think that's that's an area <laughs> where where i i'd prefer to pass that off to an expert um very nice <laughs> Fair enough. We can
0: even just skirt over it. I I was reading um, something fascinating that Lynn Margulies, who was uh, Carl Sagan's wife um, and then wrote under the name Lynn Sagan, was the first one to posit the notion that mitochondria actually came from this purple bacteria um i think sometime in the 60s and she wrote a paper on it and no one would publish it um and finally she got it published somewhere after being rejected seven or eight times and uh and you know it it postulated this notion that you know hey it, it looks the mitochondria looks so much like bacteria under a microscope and um and you know if you just go on images you know on google images you sure. can actually anyone can do it you can just see yeah. and there's uh, an incredible resemblance um you know between the two and then you know there started to be these other characteristics that they share because the
1: mitochondria actually has some of its own genome is that right sure and mitochondria has does have its own genome although it, it, there are uh, proteins that are coming that have uh Genes also from the cell, so they sort of co-live um, together, uh, and you know, over time, you know, as you know, as you're you're mentioning that the mitochondria and the and our cells, um, you know, there, there was that evolution where where uh, the mitochondria basically, you know, from the bacteria uh, became included inside of our cells and played that role of of generating the ATP and the energy for our cells and also taking in the oxygen. So this coevolution. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's fascinating. I think about, uh, you know, the microbiome, for example, which is such a hot, um, you know, topic. And, um, and of course, when, once we get into our conversations around urolithin A, we will probably circle back to the microbiome because, Uh, Gut bacteria plays a a significant role in the uh, kind of metabolism of certain polyphenols to create um, endogenous urolithin A. But before we get there, you know, I think about the human, what it is to be human. And, um, you know, we really co-evolved with all of this bacteria in our gut. So we're starting to know about that. We've got 39 trillion cells, uh, mostly in our gut, but kind of now we're learning kind of all over um, uh, our body, particularly like in our nose and in our mouth, uh, even on our skin, sure. um, known as the microbiome. So we co-evolved with th- these prokaryotes over here. And then we start to learn about the micro or about the mitochondria, which seems to be a bacteria, that an archaea tried to eat, but the bacteria <laughs> resisted uh, the digestion of it, and they found some sort of symbiotic relationship. And, um, and over time, uh, as the world became more aerobic and there was more oxygen in our atmosphere, um, it became more viable for these particular um, uh, you know single-celled organisms to exist and to create energy and, and somehow um, they became absolutely uh, critical to the expansion of complex life because we just didn't have the ability to make enough energy um, you know uh, before the advent of mitochondria. We were simply kind of these single cell organisms or you know I guess photosynthesis, had started to happen, but, um, but really it's this incredible, uh, endosymbiosis that then gave birth to all of this amazing life that, you know, that we see in the world. So it's amazing. Um, so we know now that mitochondria play key functions, what is mitochondrial dysfunction? And what are some of the components that contribute to that
1: dysfunction? Yeah, so um, at, when we're talking about mitochondrial dysfunction, it, it's really a question of back to energy and, and and the ATP generation and and you know we've we've looked at this um, clinically uh, where we we in uh, with a tool called magnetic resonance spectroscopy and and what it allows you to do is is look at energy production in fact atp levels and so you put it um in in a special magnet you you contract your muscle and you can see the decline in the energy and then when you stop uh, you you can see the return to normal and depending upon the health of the mitochondria this uh, this is quicker or it's slower. And so um, and you know to, to summarize, uh, depending upon um, yeah, depending upon your your condition, you know and even your age, uh, you could have a decline in mitochondrial function and and that can have uh, an impact directly on on limb function, limb muscle function, for example, mobility. And, or other type of function. In fact, there's a number of diseases that are linked to a decline in, in mitochondria function and uh, and one of those is um, well, it is linked is sort of skeletal muscle um, component. Uh, and there's others that are even uh, at the at the level of the brain and, and, and brain health as you get older and um, so yeah mito- the decline in mitochondria function is can have a number of, uh, of negative uh, effects on our, on our lives.
0: Hey, it's Jeff now i always heard vitamin supplements are a waste of money as they just pass through your system expensive pee right well now i understand why and the reasons it's so hard to absorb large doses of certain nutrients through the pills powders and gummies at the store now when you take these supplements or even consume foods your digestive system must extract vitamins and minerals and depending on the nutrient, convert them to a form your body can use. Now, some nutrients depend on proteins to transport them into the bloodstream and to the cells for absorption. Now, often these supplements contain such large quantities that your body doesn't have enough resources like transporter proteins to absorb the nutrients. Since your body can't store water-soluble vitamins like C and the B family, as well as minerals like magnesium, zinc, and selenium, they wind up excreted and never reaching the cells where they are needed to support your immune system, metabolism, nervous system, and so much more now i didn't know all of this when i started taking live on labs lipospheric vitamin c i just know that if Skylar was giving them to me they must be good well it turns out that live on labs understands the difficulty of high dose nutrient absorption and they became the first dietary supplement company to use liposomal encapsulation technology to enhance nutrient absorption liposomes are double layered spheres that Live On Labs uses to surround, protect, and transport water-soluble vitamins and minerals into the bloodstream and to the cells for absorption. Liposomes are made of essential phospholipids, the same material that makes up your cells, so they easily pass into the cells and deliver the nutrients staying behind to fortify the cell membrane. Now the live on labs liposome encapsulated supplement line includes vitamin c a b vitamin complex that contains pre-methylated folate a magnesium specifically formulated for the brain and the master antioxidant glutathione and guess what only the ingredients necessary for maximum absorption that means no sugar and no fillers no colors no artificial flavors if you don't want to know what that tastes like and trust me you probably don't make sure to follow the instructions on the package Uh, right now live on Labs is offering commune listeners free sample two packs of all their liposome encapsulated supplements with any purchase this is a great way to try all six of their powerful supplements and get accustomed to their weird, unique, goo-like consistency. Just get yours at liveonlabs.com slash commune. This offer is only available through my link. You must go to liveonlabs.com slash commune. Live on Labs has a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. So you have nothing to lose. Go to liveonlabs.com commune. I uh, recently spoke to a doctor named Chris Palmer out of Harvard, who wrote a book called brain energy and fascinating, um, book and his unified thesis is really that mental disorders are really metabolic disorders at the mitochondrial level. And so essentially, I mean, and it makes some sense. I mean, if, if, um, you know you begin to suffer from some form of neurodegenerative disease i mean what you're seeing is is brain shrinkage and the neurons inability to properly create energy and so um you know his his thesis is is fascinating um but you know, as far as a lot of your work is concerned, I think you guys have focused largely on um, muscle function. And can you talk a little bit about sarcopenia and um, some of the detrimental impacts of loss of muscle function?
1: Sure. Um, you know, we did very early on, uh, we conducted a study uh, looking at... Um, at a population that are considered pre-frail. And so that's not yet at sarcopenic uh, levels, but it's basically individuals who are starting to have problems stepping, uh, it's walking, uh, getting out of chairs, um, and general mobility problems. And, and so, uh, and we compared those uh, with a group of age-matched individuals, and this is um, age of around 70 years old, uh, who were athletic, and, um, and exercising on a regular basis, and we tried to understand well, you know, fundamentally what what is different between in the muscles of these uh, of these two populations. And so we went and we we ran the study that, that I was referring to uh, earlier with this magnetic resonance spectroscopy, and we saw a decline in the mitochondrial function in the legs of these individuals who, um, yeah, who were pre frail. And then we did biopsies and we looked at the biopsies and we saw a decline in the, in the gene expression of mitochondria genes and uh, showing that there's, there's basically um, less mitochondria biogenesis, which um, translate that means uh, production of mitochondria, sort of a, a regular production of mitochondria. And we saw a decline in, in the various um, uh, complexes, uh, comp- and and this is the mitochondrial complexes, which are important in the um, in the product in the production of ATP. Uh, and so that was one of our our first observations that that it's um, that mitochondria the decline in mitochondrial function uh, are, is really essential for um, you know for healthy uh muscle function and and mobility and now now this wasn't sort of a cause and effect study but it was it's an observation in this population uh that were you know significantly impaired as as being pre-frail that mitochondria when when looking at comparing them with uh healthy that mitochondria gene set was one of those leading gene sets that jumped out as being uh as being impaired and, and when you think of, um, uh, now we haven't looked at sarcopenia. Sarcopenia is, uh, is, is taking it another step where you're looking at um, the amount of muscle mass um, and how that declines with time. And so uh, sarcopenia is where there's there's been more muscle mass loss. So it's not only a, a loss of function, but also a loss of mass. Um, but I think that and there's and there's always been um historically an approach when you have a decline in muscle mass that you you try and increase the muscle mass which is which makes a lot of sense uh but then you need to make sure that that increased muscle mass is also very functional and so uh and it's not easy to increase muscle masses certainly as you as you get older uh and that's that's one of the challenges um and uh Although I have seen some people recently who are in their late seventies and who are, uh, who have lots of muscle and I, and I just is uh, super impressive, I don't know how they do that. Um, but, um, but yeah, when you're, um, you know, when you're having, uh, whatever amount of muscle you have, you want to make sure that it's basically functioning at its peak. And I think that's, that's really, where the mitochondria comes in. If you can take, you know, your muscle cells, um, even in a sarcopenic uh, uh, individual who has had a decline in their muscle mass and make them function better, then the muscle at itself uh, should function better. And so that was that's one of our, um, you know, underlying, uh, you know, approaches uh, to improving muscle function. It's by... Acting on, at that level of the mitochondria and basically optimizing uh, the bioenergetics of your cells, uh, you know, no matter what the sort of age you are or what, uh, what the statuses of your tissue are, whether they're, you know, you have large muscles, whether you have small muscles, to try and, and sort of raise the functionality um, across, across everything.
0: Mm, yeah um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, you, you guys are doing, uh, like muscle biopsy. Um, are there simpler, kind of more subjective measures of poor mitochondrial health that, that one, you know, might just discern on their own? For example, you know, is chronic fatigue or brain fog, you know, a, ref, a reflection of mitochondrial dysfunction or, I don't know, like grip strength or your walking gait or whatever.
1: Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of, um, so mitochondria function, uh, is, is really linked to, uh, physiological performance. So you can screen people for, um, for performance using different types of measurements. And, And we spoke about, um, walking speed. Uh, there's the, um, uh, there's uh, there's tests that allow you to uh, to screen for uh, people uh, who are uh, let's say pre frail or or more frail by just the you know the the six minute walk is a, is a common one how how far can people walk in in six minutes uh, there's there's also um, uh, different uh, measurements like getting them on a on a bicycle uh, for example and and seeing what, um, you know, what their performance is on a bicycle. Uh, and that's, this is, this is non, not more non-invasive uh, way, of course, mm-hmm. to, to screen <laughs> than, yeah. than uh, biopsies. And, and there is this, the overall energy level too, you know, there's, uh, you know, we think, oh, you know, we're, uh, our, our general energy level is, is linked to fundamentally the energy level of of our cells in our body right and so if we have if our cells aren't and the mitochondria are functioning well uh you know you you can't expect your energy level to be very high so and and you were also speaking earlier about um you know brain uh function there's been in addition to, you know, memory and, and these types of cognitive effects, there's been uh, links to stress uh, and and the importance of properly functioning mitochondria uh, for, you know, to help resist stress that you might uh, have. So, yeah, there's a number of different ways that you might feel uh, a change in your mitochondrial function, even when you're uh, exercising, you know, how easy is it for you to recover, uh, after post-exercise.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned stress as a contributing factor to mitochondrial dysfunction. What are some of the other prevalent contributing factors that cause your mitochondria to dysfunction?
1: Yeah. So, um, in, in addition to, in addition to stress, uh, I I would say that, uh, you know, aging is one of the primary uh drivers of mitochondrial dysfunction just generally speaking and and one of the reasons is that as you get older this process that we were talking about before called mitophagy uh actually declines and so the the cleanup of your damaged mitochondria is is slower and and consequently you have you know, more damaged mitochondria accumulating inside of your cells. And so generally speaking on a, on a whole, your cells aren't, aren't functioning uh, at their peak. And, uh, but then there's also lifestyle choices. It's known um, that when you exercise that this is stimulating a process uh, of mitophagy as well. And so you'll see a lot of, um you'll you'll see mitochondria biogenesis if you take biopsies and and uh, people who are exercising regularly, you'll see a uh, an elevated level of uh, mitochondrial ben- uh, biogenesis and this creation of 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 new uh, functioning mitochondria versus uh, those people who have a more sedentary lifestyle. and you know it, and you'll see less of that going on. and so so in general, if you were to you know, look at those having a sedentary lifestyle versus a, a very active and fit lifestyle, the, the mitochondria are, are going to be much more active uh, in, in those and in, in much more functioning in those people who are, who are active.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exercise versus sedentariness plays yes. a, a big role there. What about
1: sleep? That's a good question. I, I'm not really familiar with the impact of sleep on mitochondrial function, but I, I would say that there's, um, you know, one thing that we have to think about when we're, when we're sleeping, that there is this, this whole aspect of um, dietary uh, restriction and, and fasting. And fasting is another element that is uh, stimulating uh, mitophagy. Uh, and and keeping our mitochondria healthy, and so uh, this and and you can when you look at the uh, the profiles, the the genetic uh, profiles in, in terms of on the muscle cells and on other cells when they're when they're fasted, you see an upregulation of uh, mitochondria biogenesis as well and an improvement in mitochondrial function. So it, it would be um, it would be logical to think that if you're if you're sleeping for a longer period of time and getting um, more restful sleep, that you're probably um, uh, favoring a better mitochondrial profile inside of your cells.
0: Yeah. I mean, I uh, leverage the 16.8 intermittent fasting protocol. Uh, uh, most of the time uh although we just finished a very busy holiday season i I can't say that i was (laughs) fundamental fundamentally strict uh over that period um but yeah if you use you know your sleep window to chalk up let's say eight hours of of fasting um you know it certainly makes uh you know the other eight hours or however many hours you end up um fasting, you know, a a lot easier. And, um, so, you know, there is a component here of, um, fasting, uh, stimulating certain cellular pathways like AMPK is one, for example, that then triggers kind of this cell repair process autophagy and mitophagy. Um, It also seems like sleep has some relationship to insulin sensitivity and poor sleep seems to contribute to insulin resistance. Um, and so I just kind of want to touch on that for a second, you know, as it pertains to diet and lifestyle. So, you know, obviously there's this kind of standard American diet which is very high in refined sugars and refined grains and starches and ultra processed foods that is contributing to high blood glucose levels and then kind of down the line yeah. insulin resistance which has an impact on our mitochondria's ability to create energy is that right
1: yes I mean it's these these diets uh, as you were referring to are are really not optimal to for your, for your, not only for your body, but for your general metabolism for, and for your, um, for your mitochondria, uh, function. Um, and you know, and it's not only the, the, what we would assume is, is logical that, that these types of diets aren't good for you, but there are, there are foods that you can take that are beneficial for your mitochondria. And, and I think that's, um, that's where we should be thinking of how can we change our diet or incorporate things into our diet that are going to be, you know, helpful to, to help maintain that, you know, an optimal functioning of your mitochondria, uh, and, you know, and eventually stimulate this process of mitophagy.
0: Yeah, exactly. So this is the good news. This is the gospel. We've we've covered a lot (laughs) of the, uh, the bad news um and all of the different components to dysfunction but the good news is that our body has adaptive mechanisms that under the right circumstances can stimulate processes like mitophagy or you know what you referred to mitobiogenesis the creation of actual new mitochondria um in the cell which is good news um, and just as more kind of generally, as it pertains to metabolism, you can increase your insulin sensitivity. You could, you know, reverse insulin resistant and become more metabolically flexible. So there's all these, a uh, tons of different things that one can do. Um, and some of that you already mentioned. So there was, you know, exercise and fasting, but maybe you want to touch on, you know, some of the foods and, and their constituents that can uh, help trigger some of these healthful uh,
1: processes Sure Jeff so one of the what we've been looking at um, we started looking at the um, pomegranate uh, uh, quite a, a number of years ago uh, and one of the one of the types of compounds it's actually a class of compounds that's found inside of the pomegranate is the are the elagitanins and And these are larger compounds, phytochemicals um, that are found not only in the pomegranate, but they're found in various uh, nuts and berries. And essentially what happens is that when you consume them, that they're digested um, in the stomach and then they're processed in the intestine by, by gut bacteria. We were talking about the importance of microflora earlier and if you have those right gut bacteria, these compounds, these elagitans, are processed into a, a postbiotic, uh, that is called urolithin A. And, uh, and we've spent a lot of time now studying urolithin A, uh, and, uh, together with, uh, a number of collaborators at, um, at, at scientific Institute here, uh, the EPFL, uh, as well as other institutes and, and, what we've shown is that uh, this postbiotic uh, urolithin A, it can stimulate this process called mitophagy. And so this is pretty exciting because this is something that's coming from the foods we eat, uh, and it has this potential to interact at the cellular level and, and basically help reduce the and reverse the decline of mitochondrial function happens naturally and and boosts by boosting this level of of recycling uh the damaged mitochondria uh and so so we've spent a lot of time uh studying this and 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 yeah and so this is this is something um i think that it'd be very pertinent uh for people to take it's the the first um and to my knowledge the only nutrient that that is actually stimulating uh, this process of mitophagy uh, when consumed orally
0: mm. it's fascinating um, and I'm so curious to know how you landed on pomegranates but uh, I just want to make sure that that I understand the uh, the mechanism of action here so mm-hmm. if you consume uh, exogenously like um, pomegranates um, and we can talk maybe about the particular that the part of the pomegranate that, sure. that has the ellagitannin compound but yeah. also maybe raspberries i think walnuts and pecans maybe have ellagitannins yeah. exactly. as well yeah and they go through the nor- normal pro- uh, process of digestion but some of that goes into the lower the essentially your colon your large intestine yeah and gets metabolized by certain strains of bacteria um and 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 postbiotics or metabolites I produced by that bacteria yeah. to produce this compound called urolithin A that seems to have a really really positive effect on mitochondria and as you say mitophagy is that a general understanding of what's happening yes
1: it's it's quite a you know as you as you say it's 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 quite a uh, it's quite a pathway. It's quite a process to, from the <laughs> foods that you take right. to actually getting this uh, this compound. Yeah, um, that says nothing
0: of of actually getting into your car and driving to the farmers market to get the walnuts in the first place, exactly. <laughs> or the pomegranates, exactly, to, or to grow them. Um, so, I- is there a particular bacterial strain or species in the gut that that synthesizes? urolithin a or do we even know what what that might be or is it uh yeah
1: yeah it's it's um it's very interesting we you know we've looked at this over the years and and it's very it's very complicated to um to basically isolate uh the right strains that can uh perform this conversion uh and there's been a couple of groups out there that have um that have postulated that some some strains that could be uh, acting on it, but um, it, it's been yet to to sort of single out an uh, a, an individual strain that will uh, perform this activity, and it's probably due to a combination of bacterial strains that are that are playing different roles in terms of the the chemical modifications, uh, because it's not simply um, uh, it's creating something, but it's, take, it's starting, you have a starting compound that's coming in and it's being chemically modified and, and you're having different modifications. Um, and so this is, uh, makes it a little bit more tricky.
0: Hey, it's Jeff, and I'm excited to tell you about one of our partners here on the podcast. Vivo Barefoot is a natural health lifestyle company on a mission to reconnect people to the natural world and to their innate potential from the ground up, person by person, foot by foot. Created by Galahad and Asher Clark, two cousins from a long line of cobblers, Vivo Barefoot draws upon three simple barefoot design principles, wide, thin, and flexible. These design principles lead to optimal foot health and natural movement. Vivo Barefoot makes their footwear from the best materials nature has to offer, allowing your feet to move, to breathe, and to perform with every step. A million years of engineering, also known as evolution, has yielded the perfect blueprint for standing, walking, and running. Your feet When left to their own devices, they can cope with everything from walking and running to jumping and dancing, but cram them in a modern shoe and you cut off their natural potential. Now I've been wearing Magna Forest boots for hiking the trails here in California. I love the feeling of the connection to the ground and their airiness while still providing me with the basic protections. I also get a ton of comments on the unique and attractive design. What's more, Vivo Barefoot is a certified B Corp. Vivo Barefoot is giving feet the freedom to move as mother nature intended. The best piece of technology ever to be put into a shoe is the human foot. So you can get 15% off your first Vivo Barefoot order at vivobarefoot.com and use the code VIVOCommune15 at checkout. That's VivoBarefoot.com and use the code VIVOCommune15 at checkout. Reclaim your natural potential. The journey starts with your feet. I've got to retrain my reductionist newtonian brain (laughs) i always want to know like what is the specific you know bacterial species that you know (laughs) it's metabolizes (laughs) allagitanins into urolithin a you're you're absolutely right it rarely works that way it's just you know these bacteria are working within a mosaic and a matrix and it's it's probably very difficult to put your thumb exactly on the process i mean uh, i assume though in general people have to have a a very healthy uh gut microflora to be able to create, you know, this postbiotic, and, and probably not everybody has the ability to to synthesize urolithin A at the
1: gut level. Yeah, you're right, uh, uh, Jeff, that we, we actually conducted a clinical study um, a couple of years ago uh, in, in Chicago where we uh, had people take uh, pomegranate juice, uh, and consume a glass of pomegranate juice and we monitored their ability to uh basically produce uh urolithin a and we took mm. um you know blood samples and we measured urolithin a in those and those samples and and essentially what we saw was that only about 30 to 40 percent of the population was able to uh, produce measurable amounts of urolithin a uh, and and so uh they were measurable but they weren't um based on other work we've done they they weren't at at the level that you would need to actually have the benefits that we see with uh A when it's administered in a in a more direct form direct manner so it, yeah that's it, interesting yeah and so, and, then so the, e- and then yeah Sorry to to interrupt, interrupt, but I think one of the challenges also with taking pomegranate juice is just the high amount of sugar. And, And during that study, we, we compared the amount of urolithin A that you get into the body, uh, with a glass of pomegranate juice, um, versus directly administering 500 milligrams of, of urolithin A. And what we saw was that you needed basically six times more uh pomegranate juice so you 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 basically need to have about six glasses of juice uh to get the same levels uh as directly administering so it's not an effective way um to get what you need uh to give you those benefits
0: yeah it sounds like it might make you pre-diabetic in the meantime yeah. too <laughs> yeah. um yes, exactly. i wear a, i wear a cgm and i can only imagine what six glasses of, of pomegranate juice uh would do to my levels app um but uh so i think that's fascinating so really only 30 percent or 40 percent of the people could can even synthesize urolithin a uh from uh, the elagitannin um uh even in the best case scenario and, and you know, potentially that points to people's compromised gut flora, but it's also maybe just bio You know, some people just don't have the ability to uh, generate certain compounds. Um, also, uh, you know, I suppose when you're drinking the pomegranate juice, you're really – through the process of, of processing a, a pomegranate, you're really just – you're losing – uh, a lot of the the white pulpy uh, part of the pomegranate, and is that where you find most of the elagitanin yeah. Or
1: yeah, huh? so that's I mean that's back to you know your point of where where are the origins uh, sort of uh, located in, inside of the pomegranate? I mean you have your your arils uh, that are bright right. red, and then you have this sort of yellow whitish membrane that that sort of surround and, and all of those. And, and, and it's really this yellow whitish membrane that's very bitter when you taste it, that contains all of these elagitanins. I, I don't encourage you to, to bite in and chew some of that because it's not enjoyable at all. Uh, But in the process of, uh, of basically making pomegranate juice and compressing the pomegranate, you, you know, you squeeze out Uh, these elagitannins from uh, this yellow membrane and that goes into the juice and uh, and so then you are able to consume it and so we've we've actually um, measured levels of elagitannins and and juices and and some commercial juices and and they do seem to be pretty consistent so there is a, a very consistent processing of of the juice although it's um yeah it doesn't give you enough and you, and you, and you still have that whole process that we discussed of, of converting the laggitannins into uh urolithin A and then having that actually get absorbed into the body.
0: So you've been able to synthesize a kind of pure urolithin A um, yes. compound. And I'm curious, how, how do you actually... Do that. I, I don't assume that you have a, a bunch of petri dishes with bacteria in them, <laughs> and feeding them a lot of tannins. Um So, is there a process in in the lab by which you create pure uro, uro, uh, urolithin A?
1: Yeah. So it's a very um, it's a very clean process. It, it's uh, industrially uh, uh, sort of similar to a way like a vitamin C would be manufactured. So it, this is. This is using um, synthetic chemistry, where we make a product that is uh, ultra pure, so um, likely much purer than you would be able to purify out if you were to to try and extract uh, urolithin A from um, yeah from some type of a of a fluid, for example, uh, the body fluid. You know, after you you would produce that normally, uh, so. Yeah, well, that's, um, and it's, and the nice thing is that, you know, you, you have that, that you can then, uh, you know, tighter out into very specific doses, uh, right. and then you can analyze the impact of specific doses on, on mitochondria, uh, orally. And so that's what we've been doing.
0: Mm. And what is the proper dosage, um. That you would recommend for uh, the MitoPure product?
1: Yeah, so um, so the product that we're selling is is MitoPure, which is our proprietary A, uh, and the the dose is 500 milligrams, uh, and that's sort of the starting dose. We've we've done a, a couple of studies now. Um, actually, we've done uh, three double-blind control studies with uh, with MitoPure, uh, and uh, what we've shown is that at 500 milligrams we can see that that benefit on the mitochondria function uh and that we also see uh benefit on muscle uh functionality and so we've looked at uh we've had one our very first study we we looked at 500 milligrams and a gram after a month and what we saw was an improvement and this is through uh biomarkers uh we were speaking about muscle biopsies we looked at uh muscle biopsies before and after uh taking our product for a month. And what we saw was an, an increase in uh gene expression of mitochondrial uh genes uh and sort of a gene set um that uh, that's an enriched process. So it's what they call a a mitochondria gene set. So it's a number of genes that's involved in the normal mitochondrial um yeah health and, 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 and functioning and, and you see all of these genes, uh, upregulated and together they have, uh, uh, the combined effect of, of improving and increasing the, um, the mitochondria uh, gene set and enriching that inside of the cell. And so that was one of our, our very first studies. Uh, and then the second study we conducted was in, um, in individuals who were 40 to 65 years old and who were sedentary uh, and had a little bit more over, overweight. Um, uh, and so uh, we looked after four months. This is the first time that we, we actually investigated the effect of urolithne on a physiological endpoint. And so we looked at uh, the muscle function after four months and we saw an improvement in leg muscle strength by, uh, by over 10%. Uh, and those people who were taking 500 milligrams and a thousand milligrams. And, and at the higher dose, we were, we were beginning to see some effects on, uh, VO2 peak and, um, yeah, and even on six minute walk. Uh, so, uh, and we were also, we continue to, to run these other studies where we, these other, uh, biomarkers, as I mentioned, the biopsies, and also, uh, looking at, uh, uh, basically, blood uh, biomarkers that you'd find in the plasma, and so what what we've consistently seen is that uh, when we look at biopsies, we see a, an improvement in uh, mitochondria uh, function through this this gene set enrichment of mitochondrial genes, uh, and we, in terms of biomarkers, we we also see an impact on biomarkers, particularly. Um, acylcarnitin, and acylcarnitin basically is down-regulated, uh, and, and that's what we see sort of when we compare the before and after uh, snapshots in individuals who've been taking urolithin A. And uh, and so this, is, this has been shown in the past that people who have uh, more of an impaired mitochondria uh, function, that they have uh, elevated acylcarnitin levels because this is part of the, the whole metabolism process of the cell, uh, in terms of, uh, consuming those acyl Hmm. Mm.
0: Fascinating. And at this juncture, do you understand the mechanism of action of urolithin A at the mitochondrial level? I mean, certainly you guys have been, uh, unbelievable in terms of your commitment to clinical research and to you know creating a a a product that's been validated by science but i wonder if you actually understand what the mechanism of action is at the mitochondrial level i mean what is this urolithin a compound actually doing do we know (laughs) well
1: it's uh it's it's a good question uh jeff um that we are uh hard at work on and and uh, I think your question alludes to sort of what is the what are the molecular interactions of urolithin A in inside of the cell, and <clears throat> what are the cascade of events that that occur that leads to um, mitophagy. And and what we can say is one of the ways we look at um, mitophagy and and sort of. Uh, determine that there's mitophagy happening inside of the cell is one of of many, but it is is looking at uh, u- ubiquitinization of your uh, of your mitochondria. And so basically, what happens is that your mitochondria get um, when they're damaged and they're targeted for this uh, process of mitophagy, they they're become sort of decorated with ubiquitin. And this is this targets the uh, mitochondria uh, mm. to that pathway, uh, and we are and with regards to all of the other sort of processes that are involved um, from the uracil arriving to the cell to that we are we are still working hard at that. There's in fact, you know, this is uh, this whole process of um, mitophagy. This is this is relatively um, new over the last. 10 years that people have been working on mitophagy and, and, uh, it's an, it's a pretty new field, um, with a lot of really, you know, smart academic groups, uh, working on it and, and trying to, uh, understand what are the different ways, um, of mitophagy. And, and I think one of the, you know, one of the reasons that, um, we think that we've been, uh, rather successful in our stimulation of mitophagy is that it's um is a gentle stimulation because there's there are other pathways that are um that are more that are stronger and and the fact that we're dealing with uh urolithin a which is 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 basically this nutrient that's been in our that we've been exposed to since the dawn of time um this is very very safe and you know you're there's no, um, you know, there's, there's no risks associated with it, which, which make it so that, you know, it's, it is having this gentle, but yet potent effect on on ourselves. And yeah, we will, we will see more in the future as as we continue our, uh, our research along that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that the risk profile is very low, no side effects, but you know, you guys have also been, uh, stringent in terms of, um, going through all the processes and the GRAS, uh, process and, and, yeah. and all of that. So, uh, so you guys, uh, and also I'll just mention, I think you guys, um, have been around as a company, uh, since 2007 doing guess, yeah. clinical research. So this is hardly a, a product that's just gotten like thrown on. To the shelves on a whim <laughs> this is no. a, a product of 15
1: years uh, of research which is uh, admirable yeah well thank you I mean it, it, I think and as you say it, it's something that we've we've worked on on a preclinical and a clinical uh, manner for for over these last 15 years and you know this is I think what we, what we've taken is more of a, a traditional um, a biotech uh mentality of let's raise the the bar in terms of uh the level of validation that you need uh and the science uh and because it's really fundamentally um it it's the science that's that should be driving the effects of of any type of nutritional supplements that you take and we want everybody to be comfortable that the science is rock solid. And so we've really, um, we've really made that effort to, to create, um, you know, great clinical studies. As I mentioned before, our clinical studies are, are all double blind placebo controlled studies and, um, yeah, and we've published them in all leading, uh, academic journals, um, that are out there. So, uh, this is. I think this is important for, for anybody working in this space to, to stay at this level of rigor.
0: Hey, it's Jeff. And if you're a regular listener to this show, well, you know that I explore a wide variety of topics related to health. And right now, I am experimenting with a bunch of different techniques and approaches to optimize my own well being. And part of this tinkering involves what I put into my body and what I don't. And this is why I love being a member of Thrive Market, they have a vast selection of organic foods olive and coconut oils teas and coffees supplements and so much more i just got a thrive delivery the other day that addresses my morning protocol that includes my favorite greens powder and some mct oil and it's delivered right to my door via carbon neutral shipping so i have a special offer to commune listeners if you join thrive market today at thrivemarket.com commune then you'll get $80 in free groceries, 80 bucks. So like you, I support companies who are mission-based and committed to sustainable business practices. Thrive is a certified B Corp and take it from me. It's not easy to get that certification. I had to do it once. Now, when you join as a member, Thrive also donates a membership to a family in need. This is so important because so many people are living in food deserts right now in which they are unable to access nutritious food. Thrive has donated $4.5 million in healthy groceries. Delivering healthy food to neighborhoods in need directly impacts the chronic disease epidemic that we are facing and that I talk about so much on this show. So can your regular grocery store do that? (laughs) Well, now it can when you go to thrivemarket.com commune. If you join Thrive Market today, you'll get $80 in free groceries. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash commune. Let's talk maybe a little bit about delivery um i do actually have uh, uh, first of all i might also say that the the packaging uh is exquisite you guys did an absolutely beautiful job so i, I have Thank here you. for those um who are watching this on youtube and not um just listening to the audio i have like one of the packages here that i was lucky enough to receive so this this one is um 500 milligrams of uh kind of like a, a powder right that just gets um you know, you yeah. can, well, for me, I just put it in a glass of water and it's, it's, uh, it tastes good, but it's relatively innocuous. It's not yeah. a, it's not a strong flavor per se. Um, but, uh, I, I also know that there's a, a capsule version, I believe. And then, um, I did actually try the, the shake version, um, okay. which I actually quite enjoyed, um, as sort of a protein, um, concoction there with whey protein i believe but it was it was very good i actually did it yesterday before my my um resistance training and uh and it had uh it was great
1: yeah so we i mean we've as as you mentioned um jeff we've you know our our thought was you know it's, it's important to take this in the morning and and most people have a a ritual around their breakfast time and so we wanted, when we started uh, and we launched uh, with the product that you just showed, which is this uh, berry powder, berry flavored powder. And we wanted people to have a, a, a food experience basically that they could control. And uh, depending upon their, um, yeah, their, their preferences, um, if they, you know, you can mix it into a yogurt. Uh, you can also mix this into your favorite smoothie. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea was let's take You know, let's give people an opportunity to take a a nutrition product as something other than a pill, and so that's why we introduced this product, and we we've also introduced um, soft gels as well, and we have the um, and we have this uh, the protein shake which has twenty grams of of whey protein uh, that that you were mentioning. Which yeah, I take that I took that just the other day too. It's it's great, Um, tastes great, and um, yeah, and. And in addition to that, we've, um, we've recently, uh, taken a look at other delivery op- uh, ways for, uh, urolithin A and, uh, and this is, um, more, um, not ingestible, but more topical. And so mm-hmm. we've come up with, um, you know, and this was, uh, thought we had, uh, a few years ago of, you know, w- what would be the impact when applying this directly on the skin. Um and because our skin is the largest organ of our body, as, as we all know, and and, uh, and it has cells and and in it's, um, yeah, it's influenced by, you know, our natural aging, our sort of uh, intrinsic aging of our cells, as well as these extrinsic effects or, or you know, just sunlight that we're exposed to uh, that cause photo aging. And so uh, we embarked on, exploring you know how can urolithin a potentially counter uh intrinsic and intrinsic extrinsic aging and so we've um this last year we we ran some studies on that as well and what we we saw is that we have an impact on uh also on uh, on both forms of aging when applied topically so we see Mm -hmm. that you know following uv uh irradiation and and application of uh of mitopure and, and our timeline formula uh that we see a, a reduction in, in inflammation and we've also seen uh basically a, a reduction in, in wrinkles um mm. as well uh when it combined in our our formula and so we we decided to introduce that, um, just recently. And so that was launched just at the end of this last year. And we just started shipping that in the U S.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. So is that, um, in the form of a balm or a lotion or how does one apply your A topically?
1: <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's a cream. And so we cream. have, um, we have a, a cream that is, um, uh, we have a day cream, we have a night cream and, and we have a serum. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, you know, applied in the morning is applied at night. Uh, and so, yeah, so allowing you to get the same, um, your cells, to get the same benefits and energize your cells, even Mm. from the outside.
0: Amazing. And, And it still has the same bioavailability or, or enough bioavailability to be impactful. Yes.
1: Yes, well yeah. what what we've we've measured uh we focused on on um measuring uh basically endpoints that are, are visible like like wrinkles and mm-hmm. um you know which is what people are looking at when they look in the mirror and uh and and also uh looking at inflammation uh following exposure to UV light. So um yeah we've you know we're we were glad to see that that these benefits, um, continuing, uh, when applied topically.
0: Yeah. So just back to the ingestible product for a second. So, yeah. so let's say, um, you know, I get on my routine and I'm taking 500 milligrams per day. How long does it take in terms of duration to actually see an effect?
1: You know, in our, um, in our latest clinical study, uh, where we were looking in, in individuals over um, 65, uh, what we saw was that after two months, we saw an improvement in uh, in muscle endurance in both the, um, the hand muscle, so this sort of first interosseous muscle, which is the muscle you use when you're opening jars and, and those types of things, and then also in the leg muscle. So we looked at we looked at a very targeted uh, endurance of those muscles, leg muscle and, and the, uh, and the hand muscle. And, uh, and after two months of taking the product, we see a, a significant improvement there. And, um, and then in terms of, I think I was mentioning before the, the, the other study um, that were in a population of 40 to 65. these uh these individuals uh saw improvement we only measured after four months and uh and this we saw an improvement of 10 uh greater than 10 percent uh muscle strength improvement after that time in the Got last. It.
0: nice so this is not something that you know you're just going to take one day and expect to see like an immediate change in, in subjective yeah um,
1: it's no it's it's a, it's not a stimulant and i think that's right. that's important it's not like taking um i mean when we think of energy you think of caffeine <laughs> uh right. and which is sort of that instant stimulus and uh we like to think of this more like energy 2.0 uh, and that you're you're fundamentally changing your your cells and and what's happening inside the cells and and those mitochondria are are being optimized and and that takes time, you know, biology takes time, the cells need to improve, and then the cells, you know, interact with one another, and then you, you know, and all of that together takes time. And I think the, you know, an easy way to think about, you know, how, how long does it take to see an effect when you go into the gym and you exercise, uh, you know, how, how how many gym sessions do you need before you start to see an improvement in terms of your muscle strength and your muscle performance it's not just go to the gym one one time you have to do it on a consistent basis right well but
0: we live in a culture that wants immediate results right so (laughs) but i think uh you know any of us who have committed um, to a health journey or any journey i mean a learning journey for example um you know, you don't just build new neural networks, you know, overnight it's, uh, it's a process of continuing to, to stay committed, um, to, uh, to whether that's, you know, learning how to play the piano or upgrading your mitochondrial function or hypertrophizing your biceps. So, (laughs) (laughs)
1: um,
0: uh, but you know, you guys have just done a, just such an exemplary job on, on all fronts, um. And, uh, you know, you've really taken your time. Um, you've done the research you've packaged up, just as I said, a, a beautifully presented product and, um, and, uh, you know, now you're really, um, helping, uh, upgrade a lot of people's lives because, uh, as we touched on earlier in the conversation, what are we, if we are not energy, um, right. really at the core of what is what it's like to be alive is to create and burn energy. Um, so uh, you've gone right to the, uh, uh, you know, to the to the origin of the whole thing
1: here. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Jeff. Yeah, we're you know we're really excited that you know obviously when we started the company it was hard to anticipate how things would evolve and. Um, but with urea A, you know, we see this impact uh, with all of, you know, we get so many, um, so much feedback from our customers, uh, and 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 impacts on on different aspects of their life. I mean, it, it tends to be more energy and and muscle focused, um, but. But it's different for each person in that some people are mountain climbers and they, you know, and they swear by it when they're, you know, when, when they climb Mount Everest, you know, we had somebody who climbed Mount Everest and, and uh, sent us a picture of him on, uh, on the top of Mount Everest with our package and we said, is this, is this real and, and, and the guy's wonderful and, you know, has been very careful in monitoring all of his improvements that he experienced when taking the product. And then we have people who are cyclists um, and uh, people who are runners uh, and, you know, and, and other, you know, whether it's uh, professional or, or just amateur athletes uh, or just, you know, normal non-athletic people. We've seen uh, a lot of uh, and heard about a lot of benefits. And so I think that's what's rewarding to us is to being able to to create something that people are feeling uh a benefit about and i know you know everybody here at you know at timeline is you know is really dedicated to that as a mission
0: yeah so where can one avail oneself of the might appear uh timeline product because as i understand it is a is it only a direct to consumer uh, offering or where are you guys with that? Yeah,
1: it, we are, um, we sell online on timeline, nutrition.com. Uh, and, uh, if you go onto our website, you can have access to all of our, um, all of our nutrition products as well as, um, the topical products We're we're also providing sort of nutrition to your skin, uh, yeah. as well. So Love um, it. yeah. All right, well, Chris, it's been
0: uh, a delight uh, to get schooled in the mitochondria and, uh, and the different uh, things that we can do to upregulate um, our mitochondrial function and specifically the MitoPure product and urolithin A. It's just fascinating. We're on the cusp of this new frontier where we can have a lot of agency over our own health um you know i i talked to my dad and he's 80 well he'll be 81 next week and you know his relationship with health was you know for most of his life was just going to see his primary care physician once a year and you know we would take a battery of tests and be like okay yeah you're fine you know move along (laughs) you know that's it um and uh and boy things have really really changed and uh there's so much there's so many tools there's so much data uh available now for people to really become you know the CEO of their own healthcare and uh and you're playing a huge part of,
1: uh, in that so thanks for all the work that you're doing thank thank you jeff for having me and it's uh, and it's great to um yeah it's great to be able to to contribute in this way and um we hope that people can benefit from your lina and, and and that it will help uh them all reach their own, uh, health objectives, uh, as they, as they work on them and, and try and optimize their own nutrition.
0: Nice. Well, to be continued, I'll see you in Topanga, I hope sometime in the near future.
1: I hope so. Thanks so much, Jeff. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Chris Wrench, developer of Mitopure, a supplement that improves mitochondrial health, muscle strength, and endurance in humans. Now, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you're a regular listener, you know how much effort we put into the show's creation, and we really do our best to keep abs to a minimum. So if you're looking for a way to support our efforts, the best way is to subscribe to Commune. You'll get access to more than a hundred courses featuring the world's top authors and thought leaders, and you can check it out for 14 days for free, no strings attached at onecommune.com slash trial. Of course, feel free to reach out to me directly with questions, suggestions, criticism of the constructive variety at Jeff K at onecommune.com lastly and not leastly i'd like to thank the folks that make this show possible week over week over week including jacob Laub, megan stone violet augustine Silvana alcala wellington gonzalez and ryan tillotson okay that's all from the commune for today my name is jeff krasnow and i am here for you Hey, it's Jeff, and when it comes to your health and longevity, you hold nothing back. You understand what it means to push harder and reach farther and go that extra mile. Well, this relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build strength, speed recovery, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, your DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance for the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist right there in your pocket. If you're interested in this innovative service, I've got great news for Commune listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash Dr. G. That's InsideTracker.com forward
1: slash DRG.